Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Everything begun to turn around at that point. I believe that the same is true for us today. Um, I've seen it many times that someone would come to the Lord and everything turns around. Everything that was rotten, everything that was broken, everything that just wasn't working as they come to the Lord. Um, that God's able to take broken things and turn them upright. I've seen people that have gone away from the Lord, but as they make their way back, as they come back to the Lord, God takes them back. God receives them back. He receives them to himself. God redeems that which was lost. Have you ever been at the end of your rope? What helped you get out of the situation? In today's message, you'll hear about Ruth and Naomi's experiences in the Bible. Both women had lost everything in their lives, including their husbands. But when all seemed lost, they turned to God. And at that point, their lives began to turn around for the better. Pastor Bill says that the same is true for us. Even when we feel like we have nothing left, we can still turn to God, and He will satisfy our needs. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, for today's edition of a transforming word for you guys that have been going through the book with us it's been a been a a, a sweet little story it's going to come to a, a close today but um where we left off last week if you guys remember naomi uh the mother-in-law of ruth uh is been given her counsel given her direction um boaz has you know made his interest in ruth known and um they spoke last week and there was a boaz is looking at redeeming uh, Ruth and and the land that was left behind by uh, Elimelech. And so he has to set things up. He's got some business to take care of. He realizes that there's another family member. There's another relative that could redeem them, that could be the kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz says, hey, I, I got to I got to give this guy an opportunity first. But obviously, Boaz really wants to marry Ruth. And um, so as we come to chapter four, uh, we left off last week with Naomi telling Ruth, now you just sit still. You know, he's let you know how he feels. You let him know how you feel. Now she told Naomi told Ruth, now you just sit still. Um, And she said, I'm sure that he's going to be in a rush to get this information or to get this stuff taken care of. And that was a good word for some of us yet last week, just to sit still. Uh, Sometimes when it's time to sit still, we're doing. Sometimes when we're doing, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're doing things when God would say, right now, just be still. Be still. Let, let me do what I'm going to do right now. And so that was a counsel given to her. So look at chapter four, verse one. It says, now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and he sat down. Now, I want to point out a couple things. Uh, one, I, I believe that Boaz had a plan. Uh, Boaz intended to marry Ruth. Boaz, remember when he told Ruth when she left, when she came to the threshing floor, he said, hey, when you leave, don't tell anybody. It wasn't because they had some secret naughtiness going on. Uh, He was saying, I I don't want this dude to get a heads up about I want to be the first one to get to talk to this this other kinsman about what's going on because Boaz had a plan. And I thought it was interesting as Boaz went to the city gates in that culture. The city gates is where legal issues were handled, where business was taken care of. So he got down to the gates of the city and it says it just so happened that this guy came by. 
Um, I don't know if Boaz knew he'd be coming by, if Boaz knew, uh, the, you know, I, I, I've been watching this guy. Maybe he sent out some spies to find out, you know, where the guy's whereabouts. But Boaz ended up at the gates and lo and behold, here this brother comes. Um, for you guys that have heard my story of how I met my wife, she accuses me of having sent out spies. And, um, and I, I didn't exactly send out spies. We had, we had this nonverbal, you know, interaction where she was staring at me, and I was like, what's she staring at? She's staring at me? She, she was she staring at me. So I went and I, I saw, so I asked a couple of young guys that were with me, some kids were with me. I said, hey, uh, I don't want to just walk up to her and shock. I said, you know, she's about to eat. So y'all let me know where she sits down at. So they had kept an eye on her, and, you know, she went around the corner and went and sat down somewhere. But I know she wanted me to know where she had went. So, you know, but that her story is that I, I you know, I was, I sent out the spies and everything else, but uh, eyes teaser that I, I still left with your phone number. So, you know, spies or not, you know, we, 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 we ended up, we're where we at now. But, uh, you know, I don't know how Boaz worked it out, but it worked out just so that as he got to the gates, here goes the guy that he needs to talk to. This guy is going to be caught completely off guard. He's going to have something really big thrown in his lap real quick. Hey, you want to, you want to redeem this land? Um, and oh, by the way, it redeem the land. It also comes with this other woman. You got to marry this other woman. And, that, I think that's exactly the way that Boaz wanted it. Uh, he wanted first dibs. He wanted to be the one to get to speak on it first. And so when Boaz saw him, he said, hey, come on over here, my friend. He's real nice to him. It was pointed out in some of the books that I read on this story that the guy is not named. And uh, some people believe that he's not named um, because he doesn't fulfill the role. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we go. Look at verse two. It says, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city. And said, sit down here. And so they sat and so they sat down. So Boaz has elders of the city. These are men that are there to be witnesses of, of this transaction. Um, they're, they're men that are there to observe because there's a legal conversation that they're getting ready to have. These men are witnesses. They're, they're going to be able to say, um, you know, what transpired. Verse three. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants of the elder and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And so uh, as you read that first thing, this is what Bo, this is the transaction. Boaz, they, they have rules in, in, in Israel. And so if a family member loses land somehow. Uh, they want that land to stay within the family. And so someone else in the family can buy it back. They can redeem the lost property. And so this close relative, this kinsman redeemer, this guy is in a position where he could. And so Boaz says, I'm second in line, but you're first. So if you want to redeem this land, redeem it. But if not, he says, let me know I'm second and I, and I want to get the land. He haven't mentioned the woman yet. And I don't think Boaz really cared about the land. Boaz balling. He got money. He got land. I don't think for him the land was the big deal. Um, I think the woman for Boaz was the big deal. Um, but he puts it forth to this other kingdom redeemer in this way. And then it says in verse five, it says, then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And so if we can go back and explain uh, a couple of things. If you're writing notes, you can write down Leviticus 25, 25. 
and I'll, I'll read it to us real quick. Leviticus 25, 25 says, if one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possessions and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Or if the man has no one to redeem it but himself, um, uh, no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, then let him count the years since his, since his sale and restore the remainder to the man that he sold it, that it may return, that he may return his possession. So um, in verse 25, though, it says that, that if, if you lost the lands, that your, your relative can go back and redeem it for you. And that's what is being laid out here. Boaz is saying, hey, legally, this guy, we want to redeem the land that when Naomi left with Limelech, they were it was famine. They left. They lost that land. Now she came back home and someone else has it. And they're trying to redeem this land back. And so um, first the guy says, hey, I'll take it. It's just land. I'll redeem the land. Um, but then Boaz says to him um, in verse five, he says, then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through the inheritance. So he says, hey, by the way, when you take that land, on the same day you get the land, you got to take this woman as wife. Um, you're going to have to perpetuate. You're going to have to have uh, children with this woman to keep the name of Elimelech alive since it's his land that's being redeemed. Now, this guy doesn't tell us. Rather, he already had a family. We know in a little while that he probably did have a wife and he probably did have kids because he's going to make the statement this might mess up my own inheritance. I already have already have something laid out. I already got a wife. I already got kids. Um, any any guy married with a family already, it would be problematic to come home and say, hey, babe, I got this other piece of land and this little, you know, I got this girl came with it, you know, so I got to I got to make kids with her to take care of Lemonade. But we got the land, you know, I don't think most brothers want to come home with that story, you know. And so uh, pretty quickly when the guy hears that information, it says in verse six. And the close relative said, Ooh, I cannot do it. I cannot redeem it for myself. Least I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem the, my right of redemption for yourself. I cannot redeem it. So as soon as he hears the wife part, he says, I'm out. I can't do it. Believe that that's exactly what Boaz wanted. I believe that that's why Boaz said, hey, don't give this guy a lot of time to think about this. Let me just catch him real quick. Nobody makes most people don't make decisions like that on the spur of the moment. Hey, real quick, come here, guys, sit down at the city. I got 10 elders right here. We got the legal council. We got everybody we need right here. Hey, there's a piece of land that you can get right now. You want it? It comes with a wife. Woo! That's just a lot. Boom, on the spot. So I'm looking at Boaz saying, my man, my man was on his, you know, I'm, I'm going to be upright. I'm not doing nothing sneaky, but he's also kind of shrewd. He's like, I, I got to make this got to work out. I, I really, I, I'm looking at this saying, if Boaz really desires to, to be the man for uh, Ruth. And so he's done everything he needed to do. He gave this guy an opportunity to redeem her. If he would, he would not. And so um, now Boaz is going to have the opportunity to do so. Now, there is rules and customs in Israel that are different than ours. If, um, if you were in a position to redeem land or uh, to raise up the name of, of a dead brother and you were not willing to do it, there is a ceremony that would take place. If you weren't willing to do it, the ceremony was that they would take a sandal off your foot um, and they would spit in your face. Um, I know I didn't make this up. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 25. Uh, we're going to read verses seven through 10. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 25. All right. Deuteronomy 25, I'm actually going to start at verse 5. It says, if brothers dwell together 
and one of them dies and has no son. The widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother, brother-in-law, shall go into her, take her as wife, and perform the duty of the husband's brother for her. So in that culture, and that's why I told you guys, if, if somebody was getting ready to get married, all the brothers are like, let me see her. Let me see her, because if anything happened to you, we're going to have to marry her. And so um, if, if the brother, if your older brother was married, you were younger and single, older brother died, and he didn't have kids yet. It was you now need to marry your sister-in-law, and, and the, the child that would come forth would be for your brother. It would be, you, you made the child physiologically, but it's recognized as your brother's to keep his name alive in Israel, that his name would not be cut off. And it was seen as a duty of the younger brother. Um, verse six says, and it shall be that the firstborn son, which she bears will succeed the name of his dead brother. So that first son will get the brother's name and that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Verse seven, though. But if a man does not want to take his brother's wife and then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him, speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. So that was the rule in Israel. So I just want to I want everybody to read it so we know that this is this is strange. This is not stuff we do today. But that's how things were held back then. So this guy that says, no, nah, I don't want to do it. Um, he's supposed to have his sandal taken off of his foot and um, supposed to get spat in the face. Um, Ruth is gracious. She's a sweetheart. Uh, She's not going to do the spit in the face deal, which uh, which I think is real nice. Uh, I don't know that anybody wants to be spit in the face, but um, it says uh, in verse. Um, sorry. In verse uh, eight now. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. So he took off the shoe. Uh, doesn't say anything about him getting spit in the face. And um, again, as I was reading several books about this, um, a few of the different writers suggested that this man was left nameless. Because he wouldn't raise up his brother's name, that he's also left without a name in the scriptures. We don't know who he is. We don't really hear anything else about him. We just know it was another it was another near of kin. It was another kinsman redeemer. It was another person that was capable of doing what Boaz is going to end up doing. But he doesn't do it. And so we, we don't get anything else about him. So Boaz now has not only redeemed the land. He's also um, it, this is going to benefit Naomi. Um, you know, Malon and Chilion were Naomi's sons to Elimelech. Um, he's he's basically raising up a name and he's all that belonged to Elimelech, all that was Chilion's, all that was Malon's, uh, all um, from the hand of Naomi, all that belonged to them. Now he's redeeming it. And so he's he's taking charge of all these things. Verse 10, moreover, moreover Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through the inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his people and from the position of the gate at the gate, you are witnesses this day. And so a lot has happened right here. Um, he has not just redeemed land. There also just have been a wedding. He had everything laid out. Um, 
that was a wedding right here. If you guys didn't know, that was uh, in a minute. It's going to say he took her as wife, but everything is laid out right here. He's got permission. He's got legal uh, opportunity to do all the things that he's going to do. And he's redeeming. He's fulfilling the role of kinsman redeemer. Now, there is a lot of um, spiritual application here. Um, Jesus is ultimately, as we look at what Boaz does for Ruth, as we look at even the story of redemption and all that God, all that, all that happens for Ruth and for Naomi in this story, um, there are pictures of what Christ has accomplished for you and I. Um, if you remember the state of Ruth and Naomi as they, as they're coming back home and you kind of got two pictures, you got Naomi who's coming back to the Lord. Uh, she had went away from the Lord, went away from Bethlehem, Judah. She had gone away, but now she's coming back. You got Ruth, who was uh, in Moab, pagan, didn't even know God, didn't know anything about the God of Israel, who when she made the declaration, your God will be my God. She came to know the Lord. So you have two people in two different places. They had lost everything. They had both lost husbands. They were in Moab. Just nothing was going well for them. But as they come one to the Lord, one coming back to the Lord. Everything, everything begun to turn around at that point. I believe that the same is true for us today. Um, I've seen it many times that someone would come to the Lord and everything turns around. Everything that was rotten, everything that was broken, everything that just wasn't working as they come to the Lord. Um, that God's able to take broken things and turn them upright. I've seen people that have gone away from the Lord. But as they make their way back, as they come back to the Lord, God takes them back. God receives him back. He receives him to himself. God redeems that which was lost. And I'm, I'm so often looking at my life before Christ, looking at the mistakes, the errors, the things I did wrong and, and just the things that there'd be nothing to be proud of. And I'm amazed how that in Christ, God has turned those things around. God's made good out of even some things that were negative, even some things that were that were there was there was nothing good about them when they were done. But they've been redeemed. Those situations have been turned all the way around. So something I would throw out and question everybody here. Um, we're either in one of a few places. We're either walking with the Lord. Um, and so that we want to continue to be strengthened and grow in. Or we need to come to the Lord um, and, and begin a relationship, enter into a relationship with the Lord. Or we need to come back to the Lord. And there are things that won't turn up until they won't turn upright until we do turn to him. Until we turn to him, until we turn back to him, there are things that will just be left, left out there. Anybody here that's walked away from the Lord for a time um, and come back, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it is for God to redeem and to restore and to fix as you come back to him. Um, but there are some things that God says until you come back. Nothing changed for Naomi until she came back. Every, every, I think every day and every year in Moab stunk for her. Uh, it was just a, a bitter, painful, difficult season of her life. Um, but everything when she from the day like looked like the day she touched soil back home, everything kind of turned upright. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. You know, he, he, he thought he knew what he was doing. He was young and stupid. And he said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. And he took his inheritance. He went out and he partied and had a good old time. Then he was broke. Then his friends was left him. Then he was in the pigsty, want to eat the food that the pigs eat. He was just in a despicable state. And he finally comes to himself and he comes home. As he's making his way down the road to come home, the Bible says that, I mean, as he was on his way, the father saw him coming afar off and the father ran out and fell on his neck and kissed him and received him and celebrated his return. Um, everything turned around when he got back home. There's something about coming to the Lord and something about coming back to the Lord. 
Some people don't come back to the Lord because they're ashamed. They feel they, they're, they're, they, they feel bad. The enemy, it's one of the things the enemy does in people's minds. It's like, man, you just need to come back. I can't go back. I've been, I've messed up too bad. I, I did too much. And so they just stay out there longer and longer and longer. You can come back. Um, what sin is there for which Christ won't forgive? You know, just, just the not coming to him, the continual rejection of his spirit. But if, is there anything you've done that you couldn't come back and say, God, forgive me? God, I'm sorry. Receive me, please. I want to I want to be back. And there isn't that, that that sin doesn't. There's, there's not a thing you could have done to where you would say, you know what? I want to come back to God. But I know when he sees I did that, that that he, the, the blood of Christ is not strong enough to wash away that that sin doesn't exist. And there are people that have not come to Christ um, because of the shame and the guilt of what they've done. But there isn't any sin that's been done. The blood of Christ, the Bible says, can cleanse us of all sins. We can come. He will redeem he will purchase you by his blood. He will take any that come to him. He's taken. And so um, everything begins to be redeemed. Everything begins to be restored at this point. Um, Boaz, whose name means pillar. He he's a picture of Christ in the story. Of, as he's the redeeming person. He's the one that he initiated the relationship. He pursued first. He's the one that's moving uh, to redeem. When you think about what it is to be redeemed, it's purchasing something. It's purchasing. This belongs to someone else right now, but I'm purchasing it back. I'm purchasing back the possession. When the Bible speaks of God redeeming you and me, who do you belong to before he redeems you? Was that Satan? Some people don't know that. But until you come to Christ, until you till you say, yes, Lord, you actually belong to the devil. You're his. You belong to the murderer, to the thief, to the liar. You belong to the destroyer. You belong to him. And it's him who Christ purchases you from. You've been redeemed for everybody that's saved in this room. You've been redeemed. God bought you back. Now you belong to the Lord. Now Satan doesn't have free reign, free access to your life. You belong to God. God is your dad. He's your Lord. He's your savior. He's your God, but he's your dad. He's your savior. But you belong to him. You've been purchased by his blood. Um, You belong to Christ. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That's what that means. He purchased you back to himself. Now you're his. And he's not giving you back. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to give you back over. You belong to him now. Purchased you cost him a lot, cost him everything, cost him his life, but he paid it. And so as I look at this story of redemption, I'm reminded of our story of redemption. Uh, what God paid for you and me that now we belong to him. And the same is true. As I look at, you know, Ruth and Naomi and, and just what they were dealing with as they needed to be redeemed. They needed they needed redemption. They needed things repaired and fixed. I think about any any life apart from God as God redeems that life and brings it to himself. Uh, now there's covering. Now there's protection. Now there's his lordship. Now there's the, the hope of heaven. Now there's a promise of ongoing interaction, relationship with the Lord. There's covering. Um, we, we've been purchased by him. We're, we're, we come under his covering in the same way that they, you know, Boaz said of Ruth that you've come under the Lord's covering. You've come under him for protection. We, we've come under the Lord in that way. Um, just been redeemed. The things that, that I couldn't handle, they've been handled by him. Um, the land that Ruth and Naomi, they couldn't redeem it back. He did it for them. He paid all the price. They receive all the benefit. That's how it went for you and me. Jesus paid all the price. We receive all the benefit. Um, would it have been crazy if Ruth had said, I don't I don't I don't like you, Boaz. I don't want I don't want you. I mean, as you read the story, you look at Boaz and who he was and everything else. What if Ruth had looked at Boaz and said, oh, he's not my type. You know what I'm saying? I don't really like how you're living. You know, I just, I mean, she had that, she could have said, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be with you. You're too old. Or, you know, she, it, it could have been a number of different things, but 
as we read the story as it is, we think now, wow, that would be foolish. That would be foolish to not go with what God is doing. But that's what we do. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word, a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We have two services every Sunday at 9 and 11 or Wednesday evening at 7, and we would love to meet you. If you can't make it, no problem. We stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You never need to miss a message, but if you do, you can always find it on YouTube. There is a link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. There, under the Media tab, you'll find links to more messages as well as our mobile app. Pastor Bill has been working his way through the Book of Ruth, a story of faithfulness and reward. Ruth remained faithful to her mother-in-law, doing everything she was asked, even trading her own gods and people for the God of Israel and a new home. Her journey included marriage, being widowed, moving to a new country, abject poverty, and marriage again to a wealthy landowner. Through it all, she remained constant and faithful, and she was rewarded. She became the great-grandmother of the King of Israel, King David. Just like Ruth, just like Ruth, you have opportunities in front of you every day. No matter what circumstances life throws at you, you have a choice. You can choose faithfulness and obedience, or you can choose to go your own way. What will you choose today? Well, we're out of time for today. We love spending this time with you digging into the Book of Ruth. Join us next time for more right here on The Transforming Word.